Good evening, Sports Zodians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro, your host. For this is Sports Zone, recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast and redistributed through all our various podcasting outlets. So we thank you for joining us, no matter how you join us, whether it's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Always thank you guys for joining us. And we got a good show for you tonight. No Dave Hastings this week. He's out on the beach somewhere with a mocha or something in his hand, just chilling. But we do have Eric Tressler here tonight. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, not as good as Dave's doing, but I'm nah. doing okay. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. We 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 all deserve to be on a beach. Good for Dave for getting to do it, though. And we should be joined by Eric Pfeiffer, maybe a Larry Schmelro sighting at some point here tonight. We do have a lot to talk about tonight. We got some basketball to talk about. We got some football to talk about. But let's start off with some baseball here. Obviously, we start tonight. We do have the Mets and Braves playing their second of a three-game set. The Mets did take the first game of the series so at least during the course of this series, the Mets cannot lose their lead, uh, lose their top spot in the division during this series, which is a good thing. But we'll get into that in a little while. Let's talk some Yankees here who entered the day. They are playing the lowly Cincinnati Reds, 61-25, and 25, off a, a pretty handed showing against the Boston Red Sox this weekend. Um I believe they split the Boston Red Sox series this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Eric? They did. They did. Yep. Yeah. So I'll let you take it. I'll let you take it from there because we're about a week away from the All-Star break. And right now, barring something very unforeseen, I'd say you guys basically got that division wrapped up. Yeah. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable that way. But at the same time, I hope this isn't the lineup we roll into. uh, We roll into the playoffs with, though, because to be honest, I still have been beating the mantra all year. I'll keep beating it. I don't think this team could win in the playoffs with Hicks and Gallo in the lineup. Mm. So more Gallo than anybody else. I know, listen, it's, we have the most runs scored in this sport and we're both best record. And I, I get all that, but this isn't about that. Like, yes, the team is playing great. Yes. They can overcome Joey Gallo, but there's no way you can have Joey Gallo's 160 bat in the lineup come playoff time. And I'm sure they wouldn't. But at the same time, we really don't have a great replacement for him other than if you start to really use Anduar the way you should be using him. And the biggest rumor out there is trading for Ben Attendee. So um, I could see them trying to make that move, bring him in. I think he's on an expiring deal. Uh, so mm-hmm. it could be – that that looks like the move if the Yankees are going to make one. That's probably the one they're going to make. Um, but other than that, I mean, listen, our pitching staff is still doing great. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're doing all right. (laughs) It's just, it's just, you know, listen, everybody can use more bullpen help or oldest Chapman. They're going to have to get rid of him too. um, release him, do something with him, but he is not the same pitcher. Some pitchers have overcome it without the sticky tack, like, uh, Garrett Cole's overcome it. Other people have, he hasn't, he's lost all control. Hmm. Well, let me ask you a couple things to follow up on that. And you obviously follow the Yankees more closely than I do because I'm looking at their depth chart here. It looks to me, and everything I've heard, 
Judge has been playing center field most days. Stanton plays right field, right? Uh, no, Stanton doesn't start most. Stanton, Stanton's more, mostly the DH, I would say. Okay, it's so a you platoon. do. It's a platoon out there in the outfield because they use Hicks, they use Gallo, they use Stanton. Really, okay. the two, the biggest mainstay in the outfield is Judge, but even he gets days off. So it's like they, they, they're big into resting people like once every like ten days for whatever reason. Which I think it's stupid. But Adam Mets do the same thing. Now, the Mets do the same thing. I feel like every time I watch a Met game, Can is sitting on the bench because he needs rest. So I get you on that one. But now the point I was going to make on that. Okay, so it is a situation where you do kind of have to replace two spots in the lineup with Hicks and Gallo. It's not just a situation where Hicks and Gallo are really kind of platooning and you only have to replace the one. Yeah, because, I mean, Hicks is more of the center fielder and they've had to move Judge over to center. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've heard he's done pretty good there, actually. Oh, he's done great there. Listen, he's mm-hmm. got a great arm. Stanton's got a cannon for an arm, so I don't mind Stanton in the outfield, to be honest with you. He's, he's always had that cannon. For an arm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I have no problem with him throwing somebody out from the wall. You know what I mean? Like, I think he could do it. So, you know, he's a little bit bigger, not maybe as quick as some other guys maybe in the outfield, but he's got an arm that makes up for it. So, I, I'm good with that. I, I In the playoffs, I think you almost have to – but again, like you probably want to use him as a DH too. You want to use Judge as a DH. You know, you don't want to these guys, you know, full time out there. So they got to have four outfielders to kind of rotate in. So right now, that four outfield rotation is, you know, Gallo, Hicks, Judge, Stanton, and it's they need to break up two of those. They need to get rid of Hicks and Stanton, uh, Hicks and Gallo. Um, gotcha. I'm sorry, yeah. like Gall- Hicks is just. I mean. Granted, the deal he's on isn't a terrible deal. I think he's it was seven years, but it was only seventy million, so it's like ten a year. You know, it's like the Yankees have eaten more money on contracts than his. And yeah. Gallo, same thing. He's on a he's on an expiring deal. Just dump that five million towards the end of the year and be done with it. So mm-hmm. but, now yeah. the Cha- the Chapman one. I think it's safe to say at this point, Clay Holmes is your closer, right? Absolutely, he's been fantastic. Okay. Is there any hope that Chapman kind of regains something he's lost in an eighth inning role? There is. I just think he needs to go regain it somewhere else. I think gotcha. he, gotcha. he wants to close again. I don't think he's our closer going forward. No, nah, I think Holmes is basically Wally pipped him on that one. So I, I think, I think he's your best bet to stay with, at least from everything I've heard there. But uh, I think we will wrap that up on there and, Eric, I just think it's funny that you've taken my line and adopted it into your own with the we with the we're doing all right thing. I'm kind it's of proud of that. It is the, mantra. the mantra. That should be a that is a sports own catchphrase now, man. We're doing all right, man. I love that. That goes with the dumpster fire and everything. You got one, I got one. I'm loving that. So let's move on here, though. I think that's we, a different one, though. I'm loving it. I think I think that's McDonald's. All right, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, let's move on here because he's here tonight. We need to bring him in here. Eric Pfeiffer is with us tonight. Eric Pfeiffer, how you doing there? I'm good, fellas. How you guys doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. So now we got Fife here. We wanted to hold this off because this week we are in the middle of a three-game series, a very important three-game series for both of its participants. The middle game is tonight, Tuesday night, in Atlanta. I still want to call Atlanta's home ballpark Turner Field. Apparently, it's not Turner Field anymore. Maybe you know what it is. I don't remember what the hell uh, it's it is. It's the old stadium. Didn't they move to a new stadium? Like they're in a new, they're in a new stadium, and I don't know what the hell it's called, which is why I said that. 
but yeah, um, definitely not Turner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were there Truest for a while. Park. What is it? Truest Park. Okay, that's almost as bad as the Steelers' new ballpark name. But anyway, um, was that like a or something like that? I, 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 I it's going to take me a couple of years to remember that one, truthfully. But uh, anyway, we have the Atlanta Braves taking on the New York Mets three game series. Mets did win last night. We have a dogfight race for the division, which, let's be honest, as much as the Mets did start off hot in April and May, the idea that the Braves were going to fall out of this and not make it a fight, we all knew that was bullshit. And I'm on record on this show two weeks before the Braves' 14-game winning streak started saying, I'm not counting the Braves out. I think we all know I haven't gotten cocky on this. Far from it. You guys have been on fire. You had the 14-game winning streak. You went 21-6 and in the month of June. Started off this month 8-2. and We came into last night's ball game. What was once a 10-and-a-half game lead for the division has dwindled down to two-and-a-half games. Excuse me, it was one-and-a-half games at the start of yesterday. With last night's win, the Mets cannot lose the division lead this series. And Fife, what do you think so far? Well, I know they lost 4-1. The Braves lost 4-1 last night. Yep. Um, they are a better home team than they are away team based off of their record. Um, you know, 30 and 19 at home, 22 and 17 away. So it's good to see, you know, that they are home for this. There's a chance they could dwindle that lead down to a half a game. You know, you can't count them out to come back strong the next two. Um, but it's no secret that they've struggled to hit the Mets a little bit this year when they've played. So we'll see how it goes. You mm-hmm. know, uh, it, I would say as far as a midseason matchup goes, this is probably as important as it gets for both of these teams, especially with the race that's going on. And uh, I know that they have another matchup coming up early August in New York. So, and I don't know, know if the you... Braves can dwindle this down, and then uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, I know that the Mets have been stronger in the series. I think this season. Um, against the Braves. But, actually, uh, actually, Fife, I, I do apologize. Mets and Braves have only played one game, for, uh, one four-game series so far, and they split it. They did split it. I thought the Mets took it 3-1, so there's my mistake. No, that's okay. We won the doubleheader we played against you guys, but you guys won the other two games. Oh, okay. Which yeah. shows that there's also a chance that they could win today. But they, look, uh, you know, they, they lose tonight, then they're down three and a half. They win tomorrow. They're back down to two and a half. Like I said, it's a, I've always said this. It's a 162-game season. Um, this is about when you want to start really hitting your stride. Um, so I find this to be the probably the most important series. Like I said, for these two teams, the most important series they've had to this point this season. Um, I think the one in August is going to be a little bit more important. Early August. Um, so, five-game series, that is. That's a yeah, five-game series. Huge. Yeah, that's going to be huge. So, I mean, I, I just hope that, the, you know, like you said, the Braves have been hot and the iron can go cold. Um, so I just want them to keep pace uh, mm-hmm. up until the end of the season and see what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. If these two teams meet in the playoffs, I think it's going to be a great matchup. Uh, nice rivalry, playoff rivalry. It'll be fun to watch. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much where I'm at. You know, you know me with baseball, it's it's the long <laughs> haul. So I'm hoping uh, they at least take one of the three. I'd be 
preferably they take two of the three, but I would never expect them to take three of the three. Yeah. And last night, last night was a battle of the aces from both staffs. It was Max Fried for you guys. It was Scherzer from uh, for us. And I, I just, I love the fact that we spent the money to get Scherzer. He's freaking returned everything in spades thus far, as long as it keeps up. So we got that going for us. The one thing to you guys is credit over the last month and a half. You guys have taken advantage of the part of the schedule that came up in June. You guys had the slightly harder part of the schedule than we did in April and May. Then June and early July came along. You guys played the games that were in front of you. Like I said, 21 and 6, you guys went in June, 8 and 2 in July to start it out. And what you talked about keeping pace. I know, let's be honest here, the Mets' history is they blow the leads. The Mets, especially the last 15 years, that's been the narrative here. But as well as the Braves played, with the Mets having the adversity that they had to overcome in June and the early part of July with people continuously getting banged up and seemingly every player on the Mets' uh, wife having a child so they have to go on paternity leave like Jeff McNeil is for this series. Uh, The one thing they've done is they just keep grinding it out. You know, the offense has kind of shit the bed over the last three weeks or so. But the truth is um, they've kept pace. They went 13 and 12 in June, which by their standards, that's not bad. That's not bad. And they went six and four coming into this series. The problem is the Braves just completely set fire to everybody they played over the last month and a half. So that's a credit to them. That's not a knock on the Mets, though. I think that's safe to say here. So. I think the all-star break is coming at the right time and we'll see what happens. You like, you mentioned the five game series in early August. They also play a four game series at the end of the month. And if you look at both teams schedules for the most part, each team is really going to be their toughest opponent over the next two and a half months, because you look at the national league, there's not that much competition. If you're being honest, I mean, the Phillies are still technically in it. Brewers and Cardinals are who they are and everything. Uh, even though I think the Mets don't play the Cardinals anymore. Dodgers, Padres, and Giants are still tough teams. Mets do not play the Giants anymore this season. They have one more series against the Dodgers coming up and one more against the Padres. But after that, look at the rest of the National League, and you got eight teams under 500. So you hit them at the right time, and it really is just between the Mets and the Braves in terms of toughness of the schedule. So it'll be interesting to see. And it'll be interesting to see how the trade deadline goes. Like, Eric, you mentioned Ben Intendi um, being the big trade target for the Yankees. It'll be interesting to see what the Mets need to do, because I've said this throughout. They do need another bat, and they need at least two more pitchers. One more starter, one more relief pitcher, preferably. But if I get two more relief pitchers, I'll be fine with that. What do you say? Oh, go ahead, Fife. Go ahead. I was going to say, you know the long haul of – of the MLB season, like we always mention, And it, it's just one little piece is that going into June, you would probably say in the National League that the Mets were slight favorites. But then going into coming into July, you look at the Dodgers and they look like the strongest team in the National League. So it's just going to be that teeter-totter between the top two, three, four teams in the National League that's really going to be interesting to watch from here on out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say this, I think with both the National and the American League, it's very top-heavy. Because, like you know, I named, there's about seven, eight teams really you can consider threats. Maybe not championship-level threats, 
but definitely threats when you play them on the schedule in the regular season. You look at the National League, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the Astros, it's the Red Sox, Rays, and Jays, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, no, I just, that's why the trade deadline this year is going to be very interesting to see the teams that consider themselves out, the teams that consider themselves in, and what's going to be available. Um, yeah, I think that's where the season is going to be made or, or broke for a lot of teams, including the Yankees, the Mets, uh, the Braves. Like they, they, The trade deadline is going to be very important this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the one I'm looking forward to, I know you guys are going to be in on him too, Wilson Contreras of the Cubs. If we're not going to bring up the kid Francisco Alvarez, I think we need to – I personally think the Mets need to go get him because James McCann at this point is not going to do anything. And we have kind of a black hole at the designated hitter's position. Oh, by the way, Fife, do you love the fact that you guys picked up Robinson Cano just for the Mets series and put him in the lineup and he got two hits for you guys last night? Yeah, good job. Ah, whatever. You know, um, <laughs> I never like other people's castoffs. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll see if if he contributes here on out. We'll see. I mean, I know they didn't just pick him up for this series per se, but they just have so happened to pick him up going into this series. But um, nah, you know, I got to see what he does. Yeah. I think you guys release him after the Mets series, truthfully. I wouldn't be surprised. But um, anyway, Eric, I started in one direction, then I zagged to another one, so I apologize. Go ahead. Eric, you there? Sorry, damn mute button got me. No, I'm, I'm good on the topic. I think we're I think we're good. Okay. All right, Fife, you got anything else to throw in? Otherwise, let you talk a little hockey here. I know your offseason started – this weekend i'm not going to pretend to know all the particulars so why don't you give us some of the highlights there well we got free agency opens up tomorrow and that's where i'm looking for the big moves um you know there's been some some movement between teams i couldn't name all the trades for you right now uh tough to keep up but i know cam talbot just got traded to the senators which with the state of the senators over the last few years it's unfortunate for a solid goalie like cam talbot uh, the Devils picked up uh, the goalie from the Caps. Uh, guy was a 20-game winner. <laughs> For whatever stupid reason, his name is escaping me right now. It's not what like it was an easy one. Oh, Vitek Banachek. Um, I'm kind of indifferent about it because, you know, I know I said to Dave that it doesn't really move the needle between the pipes either way. Um for the Devils, but he is a guy with a 2.68 goals against average, which mid twos is is good for this new NHL. His save percentage is 0.908. I'd like to see that maybe jump up to 0.91 uh, for you know for me to really think that this is a guy uh, who could be a. You really need a, you know the Devils need a guy who can win them 30 games. Um, and it's not an easy task, and their blue line, they were banked up last year. Uh, they're looking to fill in their blue line. As far as the draft, I sort of ho-hum about the guy they got now. Nemec, Nemec, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name yet. I will as the season rolls on. You know, it's tough in hockey. But um, listen, you got to give the guy credit. He played in pro hockey over in Slovakia since he was 15 years old. He's been playing with the big boys. Um, now he's coming to the greatest league in the world. From what I understand, he's a very good puck-moving defenseman. 
Uh, but you guys knew where I stood going into the draft. I was kind of hoping they would sell that for a better goalie. They chose to make the draft, to make the pick. Um, I especially feel like with uh, Cooley still out there, if that's not the guy you wanted, and then Shane Wright, who was the guy that everybody thought was going to go number one, um, still on the board. I feel like you could have shopped out that number two pick for somebody who might want to jump up and grab him. Uh, but then it also depends on what guys are willing to get rid of. I mean, to be honest with you, I would have been completely happy with a Cam Talbot. For a number two overall pick, no. Like, they'd have to give us something else. And maybe that's what threw a wrench in it. But the way I look at it is the Devils have um, a lot of good, young, developmental defensemen. And that's what they picked up with the number two overall pick. It's another option to develop into the system. Um, and, you know, we're hungry, man. We, we had all those years of success. We kind of got a taste of it again back in 2011 when they made the finals. And, you know, they made the playoffs when Taylor Hall had that crazy year where he won the Hart Trophy. And um, they got knocked out by the Lightning, who eventually went on a few years later to be, you know, the Lightning, who went to three straight Stanley Cups. Um, I got to say, you know, we're hungry as Devil fans. Like, we want results. And it, it's kind of tough because it looks like – they're just skating circles around themselves. They're not really getting themselves over the hump with these moves that they're making. And what they really need is a solid goaltender who can steal you games. Now, Vanacek has the opportunity to be that guy, but he's inconsistent, you know, and that worries me. I don't like inconsistency in between the pipes. What I will say is the Avs signed Nachuskin, um to a big money deal. And they were tight on cap space, which leaves Nazem Kadri out there. And to be perfectly honest with you, if that guy, you know, is going to come in as motivated as he did going into Colorado after leaving Toronto, it's hard to tell how that guy's going to be after winning a cup. You know, it's hard to tell how anybody's going to be after success. But um, I wouldn't mind if the Devils could find a way to sign Kadri because that's what they need. They need some toughness throughout the offense in that lineup. They have. Jack Hughes, Dawson Mercer, Nico Heischer, who plays a great two-way game. Um, but what they need is somebody who's going to ruffle feathers. Um, and Kadri is that guy, you know. Uh, I know a lot of the things that people took as cheap shots, I didn't really, you know. People thought he ran Bennington. He didn't run Bennington. He got pushed into Bennington when they played against St. Louis and He's just chippy, and he gets he gets down, does the gritty things, and you need that guy on your team. And the Devils have been missing that gritty guy on their team for quite a while now. Um, so I'd like to see him sign a Nizam Kadri. Uh, still a free agent at the moment, or he's going to be going into free agency. But I, you know, I'm pretty sure the Lightning are going to re-sign him. Um, so that's tough. Uh, you know, you can't expect to get a guy like Palat as much as I would love that uh, that playoff experience on the squad. You just can't expect to get it, you know. So I feel like the, the Lightning are going to re-sign him. I would like to see him get a guy like Johnny Gaudreau just to add some more goals to the lineup. But what I'm missing on this free agent uh, I'm looking through these free agents this year, the top free agents this year, and what, what's missing is a big-time defenseman. Now, they did that. They signed Dougie Hamilton. Um, but I feel like this, you know, maybe a Klingberg uh, wouldn't be a bad ad for the Devils. So 
they have money to throw around at free agency. It's just a fact that are they going to be able to get these guys to come here? Um, Nino Niederreiter, who was on the Hurricanes, a six-time 20-goal scorer. He's another gritty guy I wouldn't mind getting in the lineup, finds ways to score goals. Um, obviously, Kemper's off the board because I think – their plan is Vanacek and Blackwood. As long as Blackwood's healthy, they're going to use those guys as 1A, 1B and go with whoever whoever, um, whoever plays strongest. Evander Kane, uh, you know, I think he did great things for the Oilers last year, but he's not the kind of guy I want to see them sign. Um, I mean, I could go all day through this stuff, but the big <laughs> ones for me, uh, I don't want a Patrice Bergeron, even though I think he's probably going to retire if he can't get back with the Bruins. Um but I think a, a, a Klingberg, who's a 29-year-old defenseman, has playoff experience as a guy that they could use in the lineup. So if they sign Klingberg, I'll be happy. Um, Trocek's a, a dynamic forward, but I'd love to see. There's my list of three. Or one, Johnny Gaudreau, New Jersey guy. Uh, grew up in South Jersey. Believe he was a Flyers fan. Uh, but the Devils have plenty of space, and the Flyers lack cap space. Um, then you have Kadri, who would be the number two. Uh, that's another guy I'd like him to see. And then, as I mentioned, um, I'd love him, love to see him get John Klingberg. Um, I think that would round out their defense right now. It fills, if you want to call it a hole, you guys know how I feel about P.K. Subban. I just feel like he collapsed in big moments for the team. Um, I'm just sticking with the Devils right now because, you know, that's where my, my mind is. Um, as far as who everybody else is going to sign, I really don't care at the moment, but I'd definitely be able, happy to talk about it next week as it all sort of shakes out. Mm. The free agency starts tomorrow at noon, I believe. So um, those are the, those are my big three targets. If I'm the general manager of the Devils, I want to sure up some defense in front of my new goal. Now, can, I can I throw one out at you? Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. I think he's looking for a three- or four-year deal. I don't think he's going to get it from the team he's on right now. Any early thoughts on Malkin? Um, ah. Yeah, you know, it's hard, man, because he hasn't been really – he's not going to get it from the team he got it from because they just signed Latang um, to six-year 36-6, right? So there could be money available, but he's going to be 36 years old. Um, I don't know, man, 36 years old. Do I want to sign? Like, is he dynamic? Absolutely. Has he fallen off a little bit? Yes. Um, he's getting older. You, you see these older guys are going to be in and out of the lineup. They're going to have to have their days where they're, you know, their, their knees are swollen. Their body's not holding up the way it used to. He's 30, 35 years old, going to be 36 soon. Where he'll end up. I'm not sure. It's actually, if I'm being honest, uh, it's a move that, a decade ago, maybe even five years ago, I'd say, I bet you the Rangers sign him. But they're not moving in that direction anymore. They're not just bringing in stars towards the end of their career like they used to to try and buy a playoff spot. <clears throat> they're actually building from within. They're young, and they need to worry on the guys. What the Rangers need to do is worry about the guys um, that they had in their on their roster this past year. Like a Ryan Strom is a good guy to bring back. Andrew Kopp, because he can do so many things. He can play on your power play. He can kill penalties. If he's willing to come back, um, it would be important for them to, I think, re-sign Kopp. Um, where he ends up, I'm not really sure. 
I don't know who's going to want to give a soon-to-be 36-year-old a four-year deal for probably, what, five, six, seven million a year. That's tough, man. I mean, the Devils have the space to do it. It would be great in a sense to have that veteran in, in the locker room. But then again, is he really that leader kind of guy? No. You know, I don't think he is. I think he's he's a superstar for sure. That's who he is. But, you know, he's not the type of, of older guy. Like, you look at Corey Perry this year with the Lightning, right? Like, poor guy lost three cups in a row. But he's willing to stand up in front of the room and, and make a statement uh, to the guys who have just won two cups. And he has that leadership quality to him. And I'm not sure Malkin has. So, I think when you're going to sign uh, – a veteran who's 36, you want a guy who can come in and command a locker room and, and stand up and say something. And I'm not sure he's that guy. What if you're a team, though, who's one piece away? I'm going to throw it out there. I have no idea about their cash piece. I have no idea about the fit. But I'm just thinking the team that this year exited the playoffs, you know, in a big disappointment, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. But what about a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs? Maybe. Um I would honestly, I could see him ending Montreal? up. Montreal, uh, maybe Edmonton would be a, okay. a landing spot that I. I mean, if I were in Edmonton, that'd be a guy I'd be thinking about because I have McDavid, I have my leaders in that room. Um, what I need is a guy who can put the puck in the back of the net. And Malkin's that guy, so I would think for me personally, look just like with a quick glance at the NHL and the way it looks, I think his best fit is Edmonton. Um, I think it would kind of upset the apple core a little bit, apple cart a little bit if you put him in uh, Toronto. Um, I think Toronto is on their way. Every goalie in the league wants to go to Toronto. Um, so I don't know. I think honestly, if I had to pick a favorite out of the East, and I know you like to go off the jinx and everything, but if I had to pick a favorite out of the East going into this season, it's Toronto for sure. They just okay. got to find that goaltender. Fair enough there. Uh, the only other thing I really wanted to throw in, because you kind of called it last week that the Rangers would trade the backup goalie. I think his name was Georgiev. Yeah, Gorgiev. Uh, what team did they trade him to again? I know you wanted him on the Devils, but I think you kind well, of admitted do. it probably wasn't going to happen. But Right, and if they were going to trade number two overall pick for him, it was going to cost the Rangers probably more than they would be willing to give up to a rival anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I believe he ended up with Colorado, which is what freed up <laughs> Kemper uh, to be a free agent. And I think that's a great add for Colorado. Um, we'll see if the kid can handle a full season. Because um, when he would go in – because I don't know if you guys remember, but the Rangers tried to – um, force him into some, not force him, but give him a few more games mid-season right before the trade deadline to see if they could get his value up to add a piece. Um, so, and he didn't, he did okay, but he didn't fare as well as people had hoped. So that's why they didn't get their offer that they wanted mid-season. Uh, all right, fair enough. Eric, you got anything you want to throw in or final questions for Fife on uh, hockey? No, I hit him with what I had. Cool. All right. Fife, do you have anything else hockey-wise you want to throw in? Uh, I'm just excited to see what happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I must confess, I got my dates crossed up there. I kind of thought free agency had already started, so my fault on that one. But 
Let's move on here. Not too much in the way of basketball and football to talk about, but obviously we'll talk about a couple things that stuck out. Eric, I know you had one thing basketball-wise you want to bring up. I, I want to bring up one thing first because, Eric, and you telling me what you wanted to bring up, it brought up the fact that Damian Lillard signed a two-year extension, $122 million. He will be paid $61 million a year. Now, I like Damian. Fucking absurd. That I like, is yeah. Oh, he's going pixelated. It's too again. much. Like oh. to me, like, and it's the. the it, am I in pixelated again? Yeah, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. Oh, I'm good. All right, no, it's just I, I, I don't know. Like to me, that is just stupid, stupid money. But I get it. In the NBA, which is different than the NHL, which is different than um, baseball and football, is. They have less people to share the pie with. The, the, the rosters are smaller in basketball than they are in any other sport. So if you have payrolls, like I think basketball's like the NBA, uh, you know, salary cap and the NFL salary cap are kind of close. I don't think they're too far apart. But the money that gets paid to basketball players is far more than the money that gets paid to most NFL players. But again, it's just the amount of people that are splitting the same pie there's less people splitting it in basketball but 61 million dollars i mean that's the reason i mean he, he can come out and say oh he wants the challenge and he wants to bring a championship to uh, to to portland bullshit he wants 122 million dollars in a bank for two years that's what he wants and i can't believe him take the money if they're gonna throw that kind of stupid money at you you take it like he, he you, 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 that's what you, that's what you do because you're doing it not only for yourself but for your family and your future. And I mean, that's it. We talk about this with the Live Golf Tournament and stuff. You know, sixty-one million dollars is is just absurd, absurd a year. That's that's way more than Trump's any other sport. I mean, what uh, Mahomes or somebody's getting like what forty-five or forty-six in the NFL as the top player. Um, Baseball-wise, what is it, 43 for Scherzer? Uh, average annual, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. is for average annual value. I mean, he is at 61. He's almost $20 million a year more important than Scherzer is. Like, no. uh, for, a team that's, uh, for a team that may not even make the playoffs? And that's my – and I'm sorry, Eric, but that's my thing right there because everything you just said is correct in terms of looking out for yourself and looking out for your family. But the problem is – you know, and I, I don't know what the, the cap line is, the, the hard and the soft tack, uh, cap line is for basketball. But when you're making $61 million, say the say the tax, uh, the cap is at like $140 million or something. The team now only has $80 million to play with, and I know there's less roster spots in basketball than everybody else, but, you know, you're talking about wanting to bring a winner and sticking with it in Portland. How are they supposed to bring a, bring a winner if they can't support you with the pieces you need around you because no one player does it on their own. And now essentially you're not adding a second superstar to that roster there because otherwise you got to fill your roster out with minimum uh, veteran guys. So it's kind of cut your nose off to spite your face in my opinion. Yeah. Listen, I mean, he, they got rid of his wingman. They got rid of his yeah. Robin by trading McCollum, you know, so I, I listen, he can sit here and preach about, oh, no, Portland's where I want to be. He's full of shit. 
He wants where the money was, and the biggest money he was going to get was in Portland, and that's why he's still there. And Portland needed to do it because Portland needed to have somebody that the fans could come and watch. Mm. And he's been a player for them for his whole career. That's why they were able to offer him this, like, super max money and shit. But it's just, I mean, that is... 61 million for one year. Play a game. Play a sport. Like, wow. Yeah, cousin David in the and chat not said, even, and, not even oh. on, and not even on a good team. No, no. Cousin David in the chat is saying, has Portland ever done a good job of bringing in pieces to play around him? The answer is no. Lillard would probably say, if you're not going to build a championship around me, then he said, pay me. All right, that's a fair point. He's, he's a not as good version of I'm going to compare him to a baseball player. He's, he's a lesser version of a Mike Trout getting paid more money. Like Mike Trout is arguably the best player in baseball and plays on a team that doesn't make the fucking playoffs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's nah, everybody fair. out there. I'll tell you, fucking flat out. Like, Trout worth the money. Pay him. Like, he, he's great. But at the same time, his teams don't win. <laughs> like, well, his teams aren't winning. So it's like, yeah, I, I, as much as yes, the player itself may be worth it. Is he really worth it to that team? And to be honest, much like Lillard's the only draw, Otani and Trout are really the only draw the Angels have. So it's kind of like that's why I guess they throw that kind of money out at certain players because they they got to have somebody to put fans in the stands. And that's yeah. really the only thing. Yeah, no, I'm sorry there. Um, and the only thing with, with Trout is Trout making the money he makes and Otani making the money he makes, it's not like that stops the Angels from going out and spending money. Now they don't, but there's no salary cap in baseball outside of the luxury tax and the – Angels are consistently like 70, 80 million behind the luxury tax. So your point is valid on that one there. Um, Fife, do you got anything you want to throw in here? Uh, no, not, not uh, basketball wise. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's not going to be me. Fair enough. All right, Eric, I know you had something else you wanted to bring up. So go right ahead. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that it came out today, which is something that was known anyway. But just interestingly enough, uh, Donovan Mitchell is now going to be, they're going to start listening to offers for him. He kind of knew it was going to happen when they traded Gobert. Like, they weren't going to trade Gobert. And then what's the point keeping Mitchell there? You're just uh, like, I, they, it seems like they want to go towards another rebuild or whatever. Give them all the picks. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the Knicks have stockpiled number or, you know, like first round draft picks use them you have good young talent on the roster already you have rj barrett you have robinson who you just re-signed for four years you have ob top and you have these guys if you could put a package of like four number ones and like quentin grimes out to you know utah to get donovan mitchell and then you have a roster that is donovan mitchell and R.J. Barrett and uh, Brunson. Brunson and um, Randall. Uh, Randall. I mean, now you got something. Now you got a team that could possibly start to compete in the East. So they, you know, I think they're running to put the dumpster fire out that was the Knicks if they could somehow put this, you know, make this work. Uh, this this could be the thing that could turn the Knicks around. Mitchell's still young. He's still in his twenties. He's still in the prime of his career. Uh, 
to me, it makes all the sense in the world. If they're going to be open to listening, throw the kitchen sink at them. Throw it at them. You know, you, you, to get a star like that, to get a guy who has some playoff experience, who's done well in the playoffs, who's shown that he could show up when it counts, to me, that's the kind of guy I would want on my roster. Um, I think he has some ties to either New York or Leon. He's a Met, he's a Met fan. He's a Met fan. He shows yeah, up so in Met games. Yeah, yeah, so listen, I'm I'm hopeful that maybe they find a way to, to figure something out there. But, um, yeah, so I would uh, just see what you're thinking about that. Because I know, listen, the, the it's not only the Knicks. I'm sure Miami's going to be in on that because they're in on the KD talk. So if they're in on KD, they're definitely going to be in on Mitchell. Um, there, you know, there's going to be a lot of other teams out there seeing what they could do. I'm sure everybody's going to throw an offer out and just see if it sticks. So it's, a, it, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Cause I don't think he plays in Utah next year. Well, I tell you this, I, I feel like everybody's been salivating at the mouth, hoping that the Knicks would have a shot at Donovan Mitchell for a little while now. And with good reason, because Mitchell's a great player in and of itself. Here's the thing that worries me, though, in terms of do the Knicks have an, uh, a lot. You talked about that stockpile of draft picks. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. They have 11 draft picks over the next seven years, including all of their own, right? I believe so. It, it might even be more than that. But, yeah, okay. no, it's at least that. It's at least that many. All right. If it, the thing that worries me is you got th- – that's only four more draft picks than your own draft picks. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, including the ones they got in the, in the draft day trade that they made this past year, I don't know that they're necessarily going to be high picks. I think both of those came with protections on them. So I just wonder if another team can offer them a bigger package of higher potentially in the round draft picks. That's the thing that worries me. And if it's going to be a higher draft pick, it means it's going to be a shittier team. And I just, uh, if, if you're going to bet on shitty teams, you're probably going to bet on the Knicks being shitty. So to me, if I'm the Knicks, I throw them, even if it's four of their own, four first rounders unprotected, you can have them wherever they land. And I'll throw in, you know, I'll throw in just about anybody except for Thompson, Barrett, uh, and Robinson and Brunson. You know, we're going to leave those four guys are the only ones we're not touching. You know, everybody else pick and choose. I think they can find a way to get a deal done. I really don't think anybody is going to come out and offer four picks. Plus, you know, I just don't. I don't think that an offer is going to be that big for bigger than that for Mitchell. What do you think about including Quigley? Because if you're trading away the young talent you have, I would try to hold on to Quigley. If I have to get rid of of Quigley, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I like him as a young player. But if he's the make or break on getting Donovan Mitchell, I'm getting Donovan Mitchell. Because you already have Brunson, who's going to be your point. You already have, like, I, 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 Quentin, uh, unfortunately, quickly is a guy who even next year at best is going to be coming off the bench. So if that's what they want, and that's what it takes to get it done, even though I like him as a young player, get it done. Get it done. They want quickly and four first rounders, bam, done. The thing, that, the thing that worries me is you do need depth. And if they find themselves in a position where they have to put both Quigley and Grimes in, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying I'd be a little hesitant. I'd like to keep one of I'd like to keep one of those guys for some bench depth. You never know. Again, what can but happen. if I had to put them both in, I'm putting them both in. Like if uh-huh. I have to put them in, I'm putting them in. Mm. Because to me, Donovan Mitchell trumps both of them. 
Well, yeah. I listen. Obviously, so in terms, me, I, I think I'm, my team is better with Donovan Mitchell and than it is with those picks and those two players. And that's at the end of the day where I'm trying to look at my roster. That's what I would rather. Like, I think Mitchell could be electrifying in the Garden. I think it could be really fun to see. I think it could be a like it could really. It could be some of the best neck teams we've ever seen. Like, and I hate to say that because I don't want to, I know I'm getting way too ahead of myself here and I'm not trying to do that, but I'm saying that he could at this team, if they put Mitchell on this team and RJ Barrett gets better and Toppin gets better and Randall just plays to form Brunson's about an upgrade. Like there's no reason this team couldn't go back to what they were a season ago or be even better than that where they could be a three seed or, or, you know, in the East um, with Mitchell. Uh, I really do think that way. I think he's a superstar. So um, well, I, I, I'm not going to argue with you on that about Mitchell. I am a fan of Mitchell. And I think that he could be the best player the Knicks would have had in the last 20 years. And yeah, I'm including Mello in that argument. So I'm not arguing with you on that one. I'm just going to be interesting to see what they would have to give up for him. But I, I would definitely make the call. It's going to take a blow-away package to get him. That's the sense I'm getting. Utah's just saying that they're listening to offers. They're not saying they're shopping him. And there's a difference on that to me. They're going to need to be blown away and get a similar package like the Carl Anthony Towns package they got. So we shall see on that one. But anyway, I think we can move off of basketball. Not too much is happening. I feel like everything's kind of stagnated, waiting for how the Kevin Durant saga is going to play off out. So we'll move to football, and not a lot happened here in, uh, this week. The one thing I do want to bring up, um, in terms of actual roster moves, so te- uh, Baker Mayfield, I almost called him Teddy Bridgewater, Baker Mayfield finally traded from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers. And, Eric, I think it was you, you had a great meme in talking about how many first-round draft picks the Panthers have given up. And all I got to show for it is Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Top Eric, two quarterbacks right. in what, the 2018 draft, 2017 two, draft? Two of the top four quarterbacks that year. Yes, two of the top four quarterbacks whose names were not Lamar Jackson, by the way. <laughs> also the most interceptions, though. Yes. Since. Gave up a lot for him, and now you got a quarterback competition between the two of them. I thought they only gave up a, a fifth. They only gave up a fifth rounder for him. Yeah, Baker, I think in the actual Baker's tr- going to win that job. It's not even. It's not even sit here and try to debate it. Baker was hurt all of last year. First of all, you know nobody's thinking of remembering that Baker played last year like a warrior through pain, through shoulder pain. Like his shoulder was messed up. Yeah, he, he had to get it. You know, fixed after the season. It's not mm-hmm. like he was just. You know, Oh boy, Eric, you're back. Oh, you're good now. You Keep me? going. You got me. You got me. I got you. Okay. Now. No, I got I'm you now. Yeah. I think. I think that Baker is just a better overall player than than Darnold is hands down. I think that he'll make more plays. I think they'll be a better team. Um, with Baker, I mean, do I think Baker is an MVP candidate? No. Do I think Baker is a team that's going to lead Carolina to some deep run in the playoffs? Hell no. But do I think Baker is going to be better than whatever the hell Sam Darnold was doing on the field yet last year? 
Absolutely. Do I think Robbie Anderson might actually, you know, catch a few more balls? And, you know, I think the offense will flow a little better. I, I do. Um, but I don't think it's going to, you know, turn the Carolina Panthers into some juggernaut. That's for sure. Um, but listen, it's just funny because the Browns are actually going to, I think, pay Baker Mayfield more money at week one to beat them. And they're going to pay Jacoby Brissett, who they had to bring in to replace him. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. I'll tell you this. What is it about Joby, Jacoby Brissett where he always finds himself in positions where he's replacing the big-name quarterbacks? Like, he, he replaced uh, Tom Brady and I think, the third and fourth game that he was suspended. He's just, the, he's, just he, he's uh, uh, you know, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is a Tyrod Taylor. Mm. He is that guy who's a backup who bounces around. Like, you know, I. But what, but what I'm saying Teddy, is. You know, the new he, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, he, or, or, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is, you know, a new one of those. I don't know. Well, I get you on that. But what I'm saying is I feel like it's similar, but it's a little different because he's always the guy replacing the guys temporarily like first it was Tom Brady then it was Andrew Luck now it's the Deshaun Watson thing I don't think any like all those guys yeah they're journeymen but I just I feel like it's a little different because he's the journeyman who's always in a temporary no, starter I mean, that story come on Tyrod Taylor was supposed to be the freaking uh, starter week one and then what happened to his spleen he, burst he got stabbed or something I don't know something yeah he got he got stabbed he got stabbed by a trainer yeah yeah but, you know, and, and, and ended up missing, which launched Justin Herbert into stardom. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, he's one of those guys. He's, he's going to, you know, he's, he's not a starting quarterback in the league. He is a backup. He is a guy who deserves to be a backup, who comes in and fills in for the big-name guy. That's who he is. What do you say, Fife? Oh, that was what Eric pointed out was the most interesting thing to me. when I t That's why I texted you guys. Uh, they're, you know, Baker's contract was a little over 18 million. The Browns are going to have to pay him 10 and a half, and then they play each other week one. Um, I thought that was funny. I like Baker's competitiveness. Um, I think we've all learned that the key in Carolina is that they need to take the pressure off of C-Mac. Um, and I, you know, I don't know that this really does that. Um, but one thing that I know is, you know, the guy shouldn't have as many commercial deals as he had, which he never should have had in the first place. And I always like a guy who's focused on football instead of commercials. Um, I used to say it with Eli. Like, when Eli started doing all them Dunkin' Donuts commercials, that's when his play started to drop off. Um, I hate when guys do too many commercials. I know it's a part of building your brand. And Listen, I thought it was funny. I don't know, if I, I, don't know if I sent you guys the memes about that, though. But I was one of the memes that I had, I don't know if I sent it to you guys, but uh, it was um, – Saying, "Oh, I can't wait for Progressive's new commercial in Baker's new stadium. <laughs> can't wait yeah, for the commercial another... where he moves into his new stadium." Well, there was another one too where uh, that I think I sent it over to you guys. Is uh, I can't wait till uh, you know Baker's packing up to move out, and then Deshaun Watson knocks on the door and says, uh, "Hey, I'm just moving in down the street, and uh, you know I just have to tell you dot dot dot." <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember that. that. I, I remember that. Obligated yeah. to tell you dot dot dot. But yeah. um, I don't know. They 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 haven't even made a decision on Watson yet, have they? I mean, it's likely he's probably going to miss another year. 
I just heard today that they're going to settle for that. There's a possibility they settle for a four to six game suspension, which I think would be a total mistake if they do. Oh my God. That would, that would be as big a joke as the Ray Ray suspension. I mean, come on, get the fuck out of here. Just as bad, actually. I was thinking about saying bigger, Dude, but no, that, that's 60, just as bad. 68 different masseuses you need. You couldn't find one that you could stick with. You needed 68 different masseuses in what, like a 90 day period? Like, Something like that. It, it was, I mean, come on. Like, you, you know, listen, if you want to be Will Chamberlain, be Will Chamberlain. Go out and fuck 60 different women then. You know, if that's what you want to do, do it. Go sit here and do it under the guise of, oh, I need a massage. You know, yeah. no, no, fucking bullshit. That is goddamn bullshit. And I'm sorry, like, I, I really am, like, but it's, it's absurd to me that the league can look at this and look at all the allegations, regardless of if those women settled and signed NDAs, which you know they did when they settled. 26 allegations? You're going to tell me that all of them were false? Yeah, I mean, come on, come on. You know, if, they only, if they only suspend them four to six games, it's because of the money the Browns spent. If and you that's told the only me there were sixty, if you told me there were sixty-eight masseuses out there, and only two or three came back, and we're trying to, then I could say, you know what, maybe, maybe, you know, you got sixty-five people in one direction and three in the other. I'm probably going to go with the sixty-five over the three, but in this case. It's getting up to damn near a third uh, half of the people coming out with allegations, which means to tell me there's probably a whole bunch more that didn't even come out with their allegations. So, I mean, I, I can't look at this and say that you guys are going to put a product on the field that is like, you know, that you're going to be family friendly and kid friendly and this, that, and the other, but you're fucking all full of shit. And well, I'm even- sorry, you know, I normally don't curse as much, but I mean, this, this topic really annoys me. Because- and then even the guy... Like, think about the adjustment he's going to have to make when he comes back a year and a half. You know, if he comes back week seven, six-game suspension, comes back week seven, like he hasn't played football in a, a season and a half, basically. And the Browns seem to think he's just going to step on the field and be the Deshaun Watson we saw before all this shit. You know, it's insane. They think that maybe they should sign Kaepernick as his backup. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Makes it's sense. Stupid. It's just, I mean, the, the whole, whole thing is, the whole thing is the Browns being the Browns. And I was really hoping when they drafted Baker Mayfield, and I mean, people could probably go back to when they, that draft happened and the things I said, I really thought Baker Mayfield was going to be the guy, the, finally the quarterback that was going to get them out of the shit show that they were. And he trended that way. He got them to the playoffs. He got them to win a playoff game in Pittsburgh. Like, he... he he did it. He, he he started to rise the occasion, got hurt, fell off a little bit, and then it all went south. And then the Browns started being the Browns again. Rather than trying to build back and, and do things right and, and, you know, fix Baker's arm and this, that, and the other, they're instead just scrapping it on saying, oh, okay, go ahead and get a, get the sex offender in here. You know what I mean? Right, like, no. get the fuck out of here. I'm there, sorry. You know, there. Their eyes got bigger than their stomach is the way I would describe it. You know what I mean? Like, they looked at their backfield, and they were like, oh, if we had a, a mobile quarterback like Deshaun Watson to our backfield, it's unbeatable. But what they don't realize is a guy – like, look, before all this happened, Watson was definitely a competitor. I remember, didn't he, you know, play half a game with his eye swollen shut or, you know, whatever it was. Like, you know, he was – but he ain't been hit in how long. And he's not going to be hit till that first snap. And 
I don't know, man. I just like like you said when Baker was drafted, the guy's a competitor. He may not be the best talent on the field, but sometimes what you need is a guy who's got the grit to get it done. And obviously playing with a torn rotator cuff or labrum on his non throwing shoulder, like through an entire season, like that's the guy who's got the grit to get it done. And I honestly think, you know, do I think he's going to be a world beater in Carolina or make that team a world beater? No, but does he make them that much more competitive? Absolutely, because he's a competitive guy. And that, that's where our bet came in, you know. Like, that's where I thought that if it came down to it, 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 he was still on the Browns and they needed him to play, then he would actually do it because he's a competitor. And uh, now he's happy to be over there in black and blue. And he's got a dynamic, one of the more dynamic running backs in the league if he can stay healthy. And we're going to see how it goes. You know, I, I think that the Panthers are going to be a, a con, you know, remember they came out pretty strong last year until Darnold started to be Darnold again. So all he really has to do is go out there and not lose games. Mm. They have a and pretty I, good defense. They have a few weapons around them. They have an opportunity to be a competitive football team. And with the right guy under center who could be Baker Mayfield, you know, they could make, they could turn some heads next year. You know, I don't think they're going to be, you know, the Super Bowl favorites or anything like that, but they have the opportunity now without Sam Darnold seeing ghosts in the backfield to actually do something, which is what you want in your football team, which is what I wish we had as Giants fans. (laughs) I'll tell you this, to go back to the whole bet from a few weeks ago, I really thought the Browns were going to be smart enough to admit they made a mistake and do the one-year $35 $35 million contract, like I said, I thought it would take for Baker to play for the Browns again. But now, I don't know if it's just propaganda that the Browns are putting out. And, Eric, I think you actually alluded to this. He's got problems with his teammates. He had problems with the coaching staff last year, apparently. So, I, I don't know. I, I guess this had to happen. Too, if they were trying to fucking can me. I have problems with him, too. Well, I'm talking about last year. Be- yeah. I'm, I'm saying, talking about last year shit, before anything happened. No, but I'm just saying last year, you don't think there were any rumblings in that locker room or from the coaching staff that, oh, he was more mobile or, oh, he wasn't hurt or this, that, and the other thing. Uh, yeah, well, who, who could be? You don't think he heard anything? I mean, listen, the locker room's small enough. Things get around. And if they, you know, this wasn't a plan that they said, ah, after the season, Eureka, you know, Deshaun <laughs> Watson's the answer. No, they, they had thought about this. This was something in it, you know. And I think that's what Baker knew, and I think that's why there was tension there. There's tension then, anytime a guy knows he's about to be out the door. Well, right. let me let me ask you guys a question real quick because you keep bringing up the mobile quarterback thing. You have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in your backfield. What difference does it make if he's just a pocket passer? They look at Deshaun Watson, and listen, I know I, I was a huge Deshaun Watson fan with him coming out of college, out of Clemson and whatever, before all this stuff happened. The guy's got serious talent. The guy could Absolutely. be a top four quarterback in this league yeah. every year for the next five years. He could be that good. But can he be that good after two years off, practically? Can he be that good stepping into a new situation, new team that he's never played with? I, I don't know. Depends on how much work he puts in. Depends on how, how much he gets himself into shape and ready to play. And how, um, much, he's, but, how much he's stayed in shape during this whole saga. Yeah. But what I, I love the thing that, that I pointed out before, though, that 
you Baker showed you the grit. And if I'm a team member, if I'm a team member of his and I see that grit and I see a guy who's playing through it and I see a guy who's out there competing every week, to me, that's a guy I rally behind. That's not a guy, you know, again, but I just happen to think that there were other differences and there was and more differences with management than with his teammates. But again, Odell Beckham, of course, everybody had issues with Odell Beckham. So are they lying when they say oh, maybe Baker had some problems with Odell? No, everybody had problems with Odell. That's why Odell was gone, you know? But again, everybody, you can see the tea leaves. You can see the writing on the wall. And I just think that Baker kind of knew something was going to happen. And that's why I think that tension was there. And yeah, that's, that's what I think. Well, you have to imagine, too, that second to last year of his contract, like you have to imagine that the talks would start. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the agents would start talking to the, the managers, uh, the general manager about, you know, what are we going to do next year's his last year on his contract? Like, let's get an extension done. Let's do this. And I bet you there were no talks happening. And that's mm-hmm. probably something else that would factor in. Like his agents telling him, look, man, they, they, they don't want to talk about it. So apparently they have something else up their sleeve. And to the to the Browns, the guys on his team, other than Odell, because like Eric said, everybody had problems with Odell. Ended up with Odell leaving. Who knows? Maybe the Browns were sour because it forced Odell out. Maybe they wanted to keep him around. Who knows? But to those other teammates that have a problem with a guy who plays through an injury like that, especially a quarterback, whether it's his throwing shoulder or not, like you guys need to reevaluate what you think a teammate should be. Because to me, anybody who puts their body on the line for the betterment of the team, that's a guy I want to be, have around in my locker room. So if, if you have problems with Baker Mayfield, if you're on the Cleveland Browns, um, you should you should pretty much reevaluate, you know, like fully reevaluate what you think a teammate should be. And to be honest with you, I don't care if you put Michael Vick as an eagle, a combination of Michael Vick as an eagle and a falcon where he could throw the ball as an eagle and where he could run much faster as a falcon under center, if you have teammates like that, that locker room will just constantly implode. And as far as the mobile quarterback thing goes, I mean, think about it. You have your guy who can run between the tackles, probably one of the best in the league. You have your dynamic guy, Kareem Hunt, that you can do a lot of different things with. And then you throw in a guy like Watson who can just make plays out of nothing. That takes your whole backfield to a whole other level. So I understand the thinking behind it. But again, you know, for me, grit goes a long way. Like Eric talked about, like we've talked about, grit goes a long way. And, you know, a year and a half, the guy's going to get walloped by somebody. And that's what we're going to find out if he's ready to come back or not. It will be interesting to see how it plays out. And yeah, hopefully they don't settle for the four to six game suspension. Hopefully it is a year it's deserved, but we can move off of this. Does anybody have anything? One more thing in there. Yeah. One Here more we go. Uh, no, no, because I think an interesting uh, person was brought up when Mike was talking there a second ago, and I think he's going to be a really good comparison because I think it's going to be the same type of career trajectory because he did miss two years, and that's Michael Vick. And you look at it, Michael Vick, mm. yeah, yeah, Deshaun Watson doesn't have the wheels of Vick. Nobody does. That guy was, I mean, his Falcon days, he was the fastest guy, you know, out there. Honestly, like, I still remember a game against the Vikings where he hit a total other gear and split two defenders, and the two defenders ran into each other because he just hit a different gear. Like, it was, he, he was a different type of player. But he did have that layoff, went to jail, served his time, came out. And I hate what he did because I, I love dogs. You guys know me. Louis is my best friend. 
So it, I, it pains me that like because I, I liked Vic. I liked Vic as a player, but knowing what he did, I like. But again, I digress. When he went to the Eagles, he was not quite the same player. He, like you said, he didn't have quite the legs he used to have. And he didn't quite have the arm either. And I thought that was the most interesting thing watching him when he came back because he was the guy that could make all like he could make a ton of throws and could launch the ball 60 yards, you know, or better. When he was with the Falcons, when he went to the Eagles, he wasn't that guy anymore. And I, I wonder what kind of guy Deshaun Watson's going to be. And I have a feeling that much like Vic was still a good player, but never returned to that greatness he had when he was with Atlanta. I have a feeling you're going to see something similar here where you're going to see Deshaun Watson play good and maybe even really good at times, but there are going to be other times where you definitely see a noticeable difference from the player he is now to the player he was four or five years ago. It will, like I said, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think you're that far off. I think it depends on how much conditioning and how much discipline Watson has put on himself during this time. Because obviously it is two different situations, even though we're still talking about missing time on the NFL field. So we'll see how that goes. So as I said before, let's move off of this. And we lost Mike. And now we're just going to move on altogether. So, I mean, I don't know if you got anything else sports-wise fight that we want to throw in here while we wait for Mike to pop back in. But, um been pretty light uh i gotta be honest i can't even tell you who won wimbledon didn't know either of the two girls that were in the finals and uh, i not sure who won the guys either and i gotta be honest it might be the first time in my life i can't tell you who won wimbledon like literally the weekend after you want yeah, six months from now i'd forget about it but i couldn't tell you right now like yeah it, i haven't like, paid attention yeah nobody has nobody yeah. has so because it just is it's it did tennis going downhill uh, Tiger came out. I don't know if you guys heard the comments from Tiger about live golf and, you know, that he's, you know, worries about the integrity of the game. And, you know, this time, like, uh, I think one of the biggest things I took away from what he said, and it made kind of sense to me and in, in a different way than anything else has hit me about this. Cause you guys know me, I've been all about, get your money, get your money, get your money. They're going to give it to you. Might as well take it to go play golf there for 54 holes instead of staying here for 72 and making less. Um, but Tiger put it in an interesting way that made me rethink a little bit, a little bit. I still feel that way. It just made me like put, put a thought in my head that by giving guys and some of those guys who are getting this kind of like good guaranteed money are like amateurs who haven't hit the pro circuit yet, who are just like really good amateurs who would become pros and would go to the PGA, but they're now getting early offers from live golf and they're going there. And now, so you start taking some of those players. You start taking the players that even from the PGA have gone over there. Part of what Tiger said that kept the PGA so competitive and the golfers so good is the fact they had to go out and earn it every week. You had to put in practice time. You had to be at the top of the leaderboard or you weren't feeding your family. If you weren't making the cut, you weren't making money. So he says right now with paying these guys – the, it, it doesn't incentivize anybody to go out there and practice at all. What's the, what's, what's the motivation to go out there and try and get better at the craft? They've already paid you. It doesn't matter if you make any money, but you're going to make money on every tournament, no matter what anyway. So what is the purpose of going out and playing a whole bunch of practice holes or going and doing anything practice wise at all? Like why? 
you already got your money. And then if that happens, what kind of product are you really going to see out there? And is that something that'll be sustainable for live golf? Because if the scores aren't there and the guys aren't playing great, are people going to tune in to see it? They don't even have a TV deal right now. So to me, I felt that was just an interesting point about, yeah, great guys got their money. They're going to get paid. They're going to make their money. But what incentivizes them now to get better? Well, they get the guaranteed and, money, but are you saying that there's no purse for each tournament? No, there is, but they're guaranteed money in every tournament anyway. Like, so the, in the PGA right now, if you don't make the cut, you don't get paid. You're not, uh, you don't, you don't make any money that weekend. In Live Golf, they have a 40 or 48 player field every week. The lowest guy, the guy number 48, he will make $120,000 minimum for that weekend. So you don't have to you don't you, you don't have to practice or play. You can come out and be dead last in all seven events. You're gonna make hundred and twenty thousand for all seven events. You're practically gonna make a million dollars just to show up and be the guy who's in dead last. What incentivizes that guy to like, you know, like really what incentivizes him, especially if he already got money on top of that? Say he live already gave him a million to come to the tournament. Say it's one of these amateurs. He got a million already to come play. And now he's guaranteed to win a million dollars no matter what on tour. He's got $2 million in the bank. What incentivizes a 22-year-old or 25-year-old or a 30-year-old who's making $2 million this year to go out and, like, really practice or play? Now, granted, he can go out and play and still rank higher than that and make more money than that. But that's the bare minimum this guy's going to make, and he doesn't have to do a ounce of practicing or give a shit about practice ever again in his life he can become alan iverson practice so we're talking about practice well i'll I'll tell you that i'll tell you this let me just throw this in real quick here i think that is the the issue with guaranteed contracts in these type of fields and i definitely get what you're saying it's funny what this interesting i still think they should get their money i'm putting that back out yeah no but your point is valid like what is the what is the what is the reason they would compete if they know they're going to get the guaranteed money. I mean, there's always pride. There's always the bigger purses and everything like that. What you reminded me of there, and I'm going to, I'm going to compare it to pro wrestling here because in the nineties, when the WWE and WCW were there, WCW was giving people guaranteed contracts to come over from WWF. And at the end of the day, the guaranteed contracts kind of caught up to them. Because now these guys don't have incentive to go out and give their best. They can stay home if they have a nagging injury. They have a lesser schedule and all this stuff. The fire and the desire to show up and give your best night in and night night out wasn't there because you knew you were getting paid no matter what. And at the end of the day, 22 years later, WCW is out of business. So your point is valid on that one, Eric. I think my next question, my next question to Tiger would be so – you only played golf for the money. You weren't a competitor. Like, that's all you cared about. Like for me, like, I don't know when I was playing sports, I wanted to be the best. I wanted to compete, you know, or maybe, I mean, I wasn't getting paid, but let me just throw this out. You just want to be the best though. team out there. I like, think about, you know, these guys, yeah, these but kids me, who go out and work their asses quick, off to be the best I, team on the ice or the best team I on know, the but, field. They don't the do it for money. They do it sport, to be the though. best. But that's also different. It's a team sport. But I also want to throw yeah, something out at you. Like, and Mike, a, a Mike, fact like check me on this Greco real quick. Wrestler. Pull up Ooh. the last pull up the last live golf tournament if you can. Okay. I'm pretty sure Phil Mickelson 
who has paid over $200 million to show up for this. I think he came in like 45th. 45th! 45th! I'm, I'm, I'm looking. This, so I understand what you're saying about maybe the lower level guys still having some incentive. What incentivizes Dustin Johnson? What incentivizes Phil Mickelson? Because I don't think Phil Mickelson gives a shit about actually playing good golf anymore. He's already got his money. Well, and maybe that's kind of what these guys are complaining it. about a little bit is like they don't compare about the competitiveness because guess what? Phil's already won majors. Phil's already won the biggest tournaments. Phil's already got everything he's got. What incentivizes him now where before he still had to be incentivized to go out there and practice because he had to make cuts and he had to play in order to do this, that, or the other. Now he doesn't. Well, a league like this starting out is going to buy names. The, you know, you buy a Phil Mickelson because it brings eyes to the sport. It, it brings attention. But it over. brings eyes to the sport but you're when, still he's, gonna when he's have competing good for golf. when he's competing for wins. But when's he, the last time he competed for a major? When's the last time he competed for a major? Last year, probably. Yeah, I think I he was know. still. I think he was still competing for majors before all the controversy came up. I could be wrong about that. Though. Yeah, he was. Actually, I don't remember him. I mean, not that I watch a lot of golf, but I don't remember hearing him being in the top ten very recently. Maybe I'm probably wrong, but I, you know, I mean, Phil's not saying, getting any younger. To come out there and be dead last, so to come out and like, uh, but that's why I wanted Mike to fact check me because I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that like. Overall, in all of these tournaments, I think there's only been two or three so far events. I don't think he's cracked the top 20 in any of them. Well, there's only been two from what I see. Uh, from what I see. I'm, I'm trying to find the results here. All I can find is the team results and what team won. Give me a second here. I'm, I'm trying to look it up. Go ahead, Fife, though. Fife, I want to hear what you were going to say, though. Go ahead. No, nah, I mean, you know, there's going to be those guys who compete and those guys who were bought to be names to bring eyes over. Um, like Eric said, there's no TV contract yet, but when there is, people tune in to see Phil. People, you know, guy, they're Phil fans. So what this league went out and did was they bought guys to bring over their fans so that people will watch. And then there's still going to be guys who want to compete. You're still going to see good golf. You're still going to see good scores. Tiger can't sit there and tell me that the only reason he wanted to win majors was because he wanted the money at the end. I mean, the guy was a competitor. He wanted to win, right? So the richest guy in the PGA, the guy who's made the most money, is going to come out through endorsements, through winning, uh, is going to come out obviously on the PGA side if he's not going to go join the LIV. Like, it's easy for Tiger to say that because he's got the money. He's made the money. He's, you know, he's done it. It's very easy for somebody like that to say something like that. But you don't hear the low-level guys saying, well, this is going to screw up the competitiveness. You hear mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, who's the face of the PGA, who the PGA has followed around every tournament he's been in every single day. They've made video they games about the guy. offered him close to a billion dollars, and he turned he's got it his down. own video game. They offered him, no, I think it was $900 million, and he said no. But he's a billionaire already, so I understand. I mean, how much money do you really need at that point? So, I mean, but again, I, Rory McIlroy is still I, sticking with the PGA I... for now. Like, there are still some guys sticking with the PGA for now. But again, if they come to Rory with a $400 million offer, is Rory really going to turn that down? Like, again, I think that he's just waiting for his price tag. I think that's what every PGA golfer is doing right now. 
is waiting for their price. And I'll be honest. I even think Tiger has a price. He may say no, and he says he may be everybody believes, and I even believe he's a PGA or through and through because he is the PGA at this point. But I mean, if they came in with a stupid offer of like 1.5 billion, who's going to turn that down? Like, mm. or maybe he's just waiting for them to kick the offer up. Maybe this is all shit that he's stirring the pot to try and like, because again, we already know that they've offered. Maybe this is part of negotiations. Maybe this is shrewd negotiations we're seeing here. Well, I, I, I don't know. You know what would make me laugh is if his son came out <laughs> and his son was old enough and he got offered a shit ton of money after Tiger banged on the league and he went and joined the live. Mm. That would crack me up. That'd but be crazy. Um, Eric, to answer your question, Phil Mickelson came in 42nd out of 48 in this Portland yes. tournament. 41 was Ian Poulter. Just to throw in some notable names, your Graham McDowell finished 35th. Uh, Brooks Kepka came in, where is it? I just saw 20th place. Sergio Garcia, 26th. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau was 10th. Lee Westwood was 16th. The highest ranking out of any golfer I've heard of before, so take that for what it's worth. Dustin Johnson came in fourth place. Yeah. So, I mean, your point that the guys who got paid well came in later, I think that's definitely valid off of that one. Um, I'm I'm not going to look up the first one they did, but... Oh, wait a minute. I can look that up right here. Oh, God damn it. Wait a minute. Hang on. All right. So your contention was... Your contention was that Mick, oh Mickelson came in thirty fourth in that first tournament. Yeah, so thirty fourth and forty second. He's averaging what thirty eighth place. Uh, uh, thirty eight, thirty seven, somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah, thirty eighth place. He's, it's his average out of forty eight for a guy that you paid two hundred million dollars to come and be the face to start this thing up. Mm. I think that's a bit of a disappointment. I don't think that's $200 million well spent. Not so far. Dustin Johnson came in eighth place in the first one. So it looks like he's at least trying. He's trying because, again, he's getting big money, and he's still young enough. He's got a family. He's got young kids and stuff. He wants to make some money. So, again, the, the person – I guarantee you, whatever he made for fourth place in that tournament is bigger than any purse he would have taken first place in in the PGA. And that's part of the problem, and, you know, that, you know, hard to turn down that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think with that, we can move on. Does anybody have anything else? Huh? Did Phil, did Phil compete in the U.S. Open, or was he already gone by the U.S. Open? I no, think he no, was suspended yeah, he was, at that point. Yeah, he, was, he wasn't there for the U.S. Open. No. He hasn't played in any majors this year. He got thirty. I don't believe he, he played tied in the for thirtieth in the tournament of champions, January sixth and ninth. And then I don't know if he played January twentieth, but he didn't make the cut. So that's probably where he got uh, suspended. But in the tournament of champions, he tied it for thirtieth. He won the Charles Schwab in November. Okay, so see, yeah, so at least he did win a, an event recently. You know, November's within the last year, he's won an event, so. Yeah, I mean. Oh, he has his ups and downs. 
36th in September 2021. So that's not like Phil's always in the top 10. No, but again, he's also not playing with all of the best golfers in the world right now. And that's why averaging 38th when you're, you know, granted, there may be 10 or 15 guys there that are really good PGA golfers, but there aren't 38 guys playing in that tournament yet that are, you know, or 38 guys better than him or should be, that should be better than him. That's yeah. again, where, where you start to wonder, is he putting in the practice rounds? Is he doing the things that he used to do? Is he, or did he just say, fuck it, I'm going to show up and just play whenever it's time to play. You know, well, I, that's well, to me where it comes in uh, with the practice. Well, just it's, to th- it's up for a good wait and see, you know, I think two tournaments is tough to judge. You got to see where he's at, you know, eight, mm-hmm. 10 tournaments into it. Well, just and to we throw, just to throw this in there, I don't know how much this means, but I'm looking at his rankings for the previous couple of years here on Wikipedia. Apparently, he was the 70th ranked player in the world last year. He had only won one major, it looks like. Um, yeah, one major. That was his only win last year. He didn't win anything in 2020. He was ranked 60th in the world. He hasn't been ranked in the top 40 since 2019 when he won one tournament on the tour that year. And, uh, well, I'm sure this factors into what you're saying. He never made more than $2.7 million over the last three years. He made $2.7 million last year. So take that for what it's worth there. All right. I think with that, though, does anybody have anything else sports-related they would like to bring up tonight? How about Zach Wilson? There we go. Yeah. Now I got I, now I got cut off before. I kind of thought we were bringing this up, but when I came back on, we were already on to golf. So I did. I was wondering if we were going to this tonight. It kind of sucks. Cousin David left the chat already because I know he was I mean, asking listen, if we were listen, bringing listen, this up. Listen, I, I, yeah, I, what I want to say real quick is that I, I the, the story is it's funny. But at the same time, like, it's not going to affect the Jets season whatsoever. And if anything, no. it's something that he'll probably laugh about and something that when it comes to that locker room, they'll probably laugh and laugh with him about, joke on yeah. him, whatever else. And I think it could be a good team, kind of weird team thing that kind of brings them a little bit together. As weird as I can see that. Because it's, it's, an, it's an all weird story that, I guess his ex-girlfriend is now dating his ex-best friend and roommate from college at BYU. And she dropped on Instagram the fact that, you know, uh, I guess somebody had commented to her about, oh, she's a homie hopper, is what I believe the term was. And then she came back with the line of, you know, well, well, you know, he's banging his mom's best friend. Talk about, you know, he's the ultimate homie hopper. Um, and it kind of blew up from there, and nobody's coming out and denying the story. You haven't heard Zach Wilson saying it's not true. You haven't heard his mom or her, anybody else coming out and saying it's not true. Um, so, I mean, listen, the kid's 20-something years old. I don't know if he did this while he was dating that girl. I don't know if they, she walked in on him and caught him at that. I, I don't know when it happened. I don't know if it was a one-time thing with the mom or if he was, like, dating, dating the mom's best friend. Like, I... I don't know any of the details, but all I know is that the story is fucking funny and good for him. 20-something years old, he's out there having fun in life. 
obviously, you know, I don't think that he really seduced her. I'll be honest. I think it's probably the other way around. She was like, hey, so, uh, and he was like, all right. <laughs> like, yeah. I, think I, really got yeah. I think that's kind of what happened. So, I mean, again, like, it, it would be different if he was married and whatever else. And I could say, okay, well, you know, that that's not cool. He's 20 something years old. He's still just out there dating. Yeah, I guess he had a long term, a long time girlfriend for, you know, at BYU and whatever else. And, um, but obviously it didn't work out there. And if he was exploring other options and he wasn't necessarily cheating, I don't know. All I'm saying is good for him. Like, you know, listen, if your mom's best friend, you know, I, I listen, I, I did, from all accounts too, she's, she's a smoke show. So good. good well, I heard him. the mom at the mom. <laughs> I heard his mom is hot too, so it would only make sense she if is. the friend she is hot. Yeah, of attention last year or when he got yeah. drafted, she got huge attention. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the, you know, to be honest with you, his, his college girlfriend was also a uh, very hot. Oh, pretty, beautiful, beautiful, wonderful. You know, yeah, and and good on the the Washington Commanders wide receiver. You know, nothing wrong with him either. Like, whatever. Yeah. How, how many? You know, we know a lot of people, right, Eric? And how many? How many? college relationships that you actually see work out in the long run you know a couple couple so mm-hmm. i can think of i can think of one off the top of my head and i'm happy for both of them because they were good people even Absolutely. though none of, i didn't go to the same i obviously i'm new york you guys are jersey so it's different but i just wanted to throw that in every time i see their photos on facebook i'm just happy they lasted and then you know eric as as far as that goes the only other thing i'm going to say to you is and you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> right i feel like i'm on the outside looking in yeah, here but i'll let you guys yeah. have that one yeah sorry a Mike. It's a, and you guys can ex- you guys can explain it to me in a text after the show that's fine um i listen eric i think you said that perfectly here because honestly until we find out some reason um some impure reason here I heard this story and it was strange and it was weird, but I don't think anybody did anything wrong here, really. And what you said about he's going to get ripped on by his teammates, it could be a team building thing. I totally agree with you on that one, because at the end of the day, unless someone comes out and says something really wrong happened here, based on everything we've heard, it seems like everybody's consenting adults in this situation. So let the kid have his fun banging a milk. Why not? Absolutely. That's what I mean. It's like you don't hear like the mom coming out and saying, Oh, I don't remember. I was really drunk that night. You, you don't hear any of that. You don't <laughs> even hear the ex-girlfriend coming out and being like, Oh, he's he's an asshole. He did this while we were dating and this, that, and the other. No, she put like laughing emojis about it. Like she's not even upset. Like not to no, me, and she like, was pretty well, much like, just it. defending herself as to somebody exactly. else's comment. So you can't even be mad exactly. at her for blowing it up. Yeah, absolutely not. But and that's why I don't think anybody's really mad in this situation. It's just an awkward one, but made slightly more awkward because he's supposed to be some Mormon from Utah. So it's like so that's what kind of makes it a little bit like adds that extra layer of it because like Well, I mean technically technically he can stick with the Mormon thing here because the Mormon thing is he would have married both of them. Uh, right? Listen, I mean, listen, who they're knows not, what's going on out there? Let me put it to you this way. They're not supposed to have, um, Mormons are not supposed to have premarital sex, right? 
you guys, I probably know I've mentioned it before. I played hockey in Utah for a year, which is a very heavy Mormon community. Sure. There was a uh, girl there who used to come to our hockey parties that a lot of the guys, you know, we didn't, we were friendly with her, but we didn't want to like date her because we didn't want to get involved in somewhere we weren't going to get any, you know? And one of my buddies took the leap and dated her. And, and I'll tell you what, they must have fucked three, four times a day. So that Mormon thing, you know, a lot of times it's, uh, it's all well and good. They say what they say, but it ain't always true. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to say this right now. I dated a girl in Jersey in the mid 2000s who wanted to stay a virgin till marriage. So it was cool because she was cool with everything else. And she was my favorite. And I, if I had to do all over again, I would have found a way to marry that girl. So the ones who do stay pure and want to say uh, true until marriage, you know, something if they're willing to do other shit, they're good people. Well, yeah, it was like fun. Listen, and listen, that's a, that's the thing too. Is like it's not even like she's coming out saying, "Oh, uh, you know, this is, you know, a violation. We're supposed to be waiting, whatever." Like uh, that's where I'm just looking for like the bad aspect of this. This to me is like the exact opposite of the Deshaun Watson shit. Yes, yes. This is like it's just fun. Him, yeah. yeah. This is fun. This is fun to talk about. It's like you know, this is this is what you want to talk about. If you got if you have a sports scandal, like this is the kind of scandal I want to cover with you guys week to week. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to talk about concussions. I want to talk about the other shit. I want to talk about the show. Wants. I want to talk about this. This is way more entertaining. And again, as long as everybody there, like you said, Mike, consenting adults, nobody seems to be coming out saying anything at all wrong was done here. Yeah. It just happens to be a funny kind of way it came out. <laughs> he's finch he's finch banging stifler's mom that's all this is i'm telling you it would be on day one of training camp everybody in that locker room should be wearing that shirt i sent you guys before bombs <laughs> and banging moms if everybody showed up to training camp well and he walked in and saw everybody in that shirt i bet you they would all die laughing like it was like i think it was, like that's the type of stuff i think that really could be something that Builds this team to a team and not just a group of players and, and him trying to figure his way in. And I think this could be the galvanizing thing that actually helps propel Zach Wilson's career a little bit. But we'll see. I mean, obviously, time will tell. But if it goes the way it probably could go and should go, it, it's probably going to be something that actually helps him uh, ingratiate himself to the team even further. And I think that's just going to help the whole situation. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. With so, that said, I, oh, sorry, Mike. Well, I was no, no. With that said, I do still see the Jets being part of either the toilet bowl or the shit show of the week coming up this year. I had <laughs> multiple times. You want me to be honest? Multiple times. You want me to be honest, though? Like, we talked about it earlier, earlier this year, I think, with how competitive that AFC is going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the toilet bowl of the shit show, but I don't know if we're necessarily going to be able to say it's because they're a bad team or simply because they're not as good as the rest of the AFC, though. That's the one thing they might have going for them. We'll see. Mm. Could happen. Could happen. We'll see. We, we shall see, though. You are correct. All right, with that, do we have anything else sports-wise we want to bring up? 
Nozer. Nozer. I'm going. I'm going. Eric's good too. There. Uh, I'll bring. Oh, oh, you're funny. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. I did see Thor: Love and Thunder this weekend. Eric, did, did you get? You did, did too. I actually went and saw it. I went and saw it actually on Thursday. I did not. I did not, and I would like you guys to be able to talk about it. So all I'm going to say, because i got to get going anyway, mm-hmm. all I'm going to say is um, if you haven't watched The Old Man on FX, it's definitely worth a watch. Who's in it? Uh, it's the dude, man, but he's total opposite of the dude. Oh, Jeff Daniels. Oh, okay, I know what you're talking Bridges. about here. Okay. Oh, yeah, Jeff Bridges. Excuse me. It's actually a very good show. Um the first maybe ten minutes of the of the first episode are a little slow, and I, I'm gonna say it's not maybe the fastest show, but I really do like the story and the way it's panning out. So I'm gonna say, if you guys can catch up on it, I would because it's just starting out, and it feels like it's gonna be one of those FX shows that everybody watches. Um, you know, it's it's a really good show. I'd say probably maybe one of the better ones FX has come out with since Sons of Anarchy. And then I'm also going to say, Eric, um, if you haven't gotten back on the Animal Kingdom bus, get on it. And uh, with that, I will leave you guys so you can talk about Thor. Are and, we going uh, for what, a little, 12 and 1? Are we going for 12 and 1 tonight? No, we're on a bye week. So all right. uh, we got a little sour taste through the bye, and then we're all going to come back out strong next week. For the final leg of the season, season ends like uh, early to mid-August, we got – I think we have four games left, so four four weeks uh, starting next week, four weeks left uh, before playoffs. Everybody's gunning for us. Everybody gives us their best game now. Everybody, actually, to be honest with you, everybody's bitching about us, and they're changing the whole dynamic of the draft going into the next season because of our team, which is kind of a proud moment, you know. And we're not <laughs> even, to be honest with you, and uh, we're not even – probably the best team out there we just we play hockey um as a team and we play defensively and offensively um a lot of our games ended in like four to three or you know five four whereas you see other games go like nine to eight so we just play defense and we have a very good goalie and uh, we just have a lot of smart hockey guys on our team but i wouldn't say that talent wise we're probably third best in the league we just we know how to win hockey games and uh, so I don't know why everybody's complaining, but we got our we got our work cut out for us, and we all know it. We were on the verge of a loss. Uh, me and my one buddy Jay were talking about it. We know we were on the verge of a loss, and it's uh, something that we needed to have happen when it happened, so that we come out for the rest of the year ready mm. to go. Well, Fife, you know why they're trying to you know why they're trying to break you up, right? Because they hate us because they ain't us. I was literally just about to say that. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> that's correct. Yeah. I, I want to throw this out here because I'm looking at the cast of the old man here. Uh, the character Julian Carson. Do you know that character on that show? Uh, whoa. He's a contractor hired to pursue Jeff Bridges' character. Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Do you like him? Uh, yeah, it's... it's um... He's not in it a lot just yet, so it's hard okay. to tell. He's a quiet kind of character right now. I'm bringing but him up because I'm bringing him up because he was Chris Partlow in The Wire, and that dude can be he can be pretty menacing when you get down to it. He was well, he was a bad motherfucker. Well, he's had a small small role so far, so um, 
it's hard to say where they're going to go with it. If he, you know, I don't know if he's even going to be in the whole season or not. Um, mm. His role has been small. Uh, he is a pretty bad dude, but um, I just think you're going to like it. I think you're going to like okay. it. I, I think if you guys watch it, this is one you'll definitely get into. Um, Bridges plays a really good character. There's a lot of plot twists already, and I think we're only four or five episodes in. And um, the other character, the older guy with the glasses, if you're looking at the cast. Uh, if you're talking about John Lithgow's character? Yeah, he's been in a lot of, lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, he's another main character, and he does a really good job as well. Mm. So it's just all around a pretty good show. Um, as long as, you know, like I said, there, there are lulls, like it's only five episodes in, it's been kind of slow rolling, but the story is worth the watch. And it's Um, like, so you know how a lot of shows are fading into like, a lot of shows are going towards the, there's multiple stories going on at once. Yes. Yes. This has about three and they're all, you know, tied together, but good stories. Okay. Okay. Um, it I saw it. Tra- past history, current history, things like that. Mm-hmm. I saw, I saw a trailer for this like a month or two ago, and it did actually look interesting. And I do like Jeff Bridges, even though I always get his last name confused with Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah, no, so, he does a great job. And um, you know, me, I've seen The Big Lebowski probably a thousand and one times. At classic, least. classic. And, uh, you know, even though he's a totally different character, um, that's what I like about him is he's able to um, – you don't think of him as Jeff Bridges. You think of him about as him as the character that he's playing. And that's how you mm-hmm. know a good actor can play multiple roles. You know, because there's those, there's those actors you see, they play certain roles, and then the next movie or, or film or TV show you see him in, they, you just keep picturing him as the guy that they were in the last one. And that's why I like Bridges so much is he can do totally different things and it just mm. works. He's yeah. a good actor. You ever see uh, Hell or High Water? Uh, I don't know. Maybe bits and pieces. I struggle sometimes with titles. Like a lot of times I'll flip through, catch a movie. If there's an actor I like, I watch it, but I don't always remember the name. Of it. Him and Chris Pine are in that movie. And it's a, it's a really good one, actually. He plays a, he plays a U.S. Marshal or something and Chris Pine and his brother are bank robbers and it's it's a really good movie it's kind of like a new age western okay. if you will yeah it's a good movie though and it goes it goes to your point that bridges bridges is just good in whatever he's in he's well-rounded yep yep all right, all right man boys, well, i'm gonna get going thanks for having me i know the season's over but let's play hockey anyway absolutely man absolutely thanks <laughs> for being here Flight. season starts stay yep. sweaty Yes, sir. Hey, man, have a good one. All right, Thor, Love, and Thunder, and I am curious as to your reaction. uh, Because I got my reaction here. Overall, I thought it was very good. Let's hear what you got to say about it, though, Eric. Good, not as good as Ragnarok, and there's definitely some plot holes in there where I'm like, We could just take Stormbreaker through the Bifrost Eternity. Why didn't we just wish Thanos away? Or if we could just give the power of Thor to a bunch of people, why didn't he just rally the Avengers and be like, all right, for this battle here, I'm going to give you the powers of Thor. Well, that's the big one, yeah. You know what I mean? And like Wrecked House, like, you know, I, I, I... 
I I don't know. Like so, to me, like some of those things where if I suspend the shit that I know about the MCU already, and I just watch it as like a Thor film in the, the lineage of Thor films, it's behind Ragnarok, but just behind it, I'd probably go three, four, one, two in my ranking of Thor movies. Um, enjoyable. I don't watch Ted Lasso, so I didn't have the big, oh my God, surprise reveal there in the, in the first post credit scene. Like, yes, it was kind of cool to be like, Hercules, but at the same time, like, I don't know how pumped up I am about Hercules. Like, I, I'm like, all right, like, I don't know. So, like, it, Gore was really good, although I wish he would have killed more than one god. Yeah, that like, would have been cool to say. Like, I think this movie needed, like, 15 minutes longer. I think it needed it to give Gore at least one more god kill. I don't think he needed to go on a killing spring kill 50, which would have been cool to see. But I don't think he needed to do that. I just think he needed to show one more time how powerful he could be with that mm. sword. And, um, you know, so, I mean, I think some choices were were good. Uh, I, I like Natalie Portman. I, I thought she did a good job. Uh, mm-hmm. with like Tessa Thompson. To me, the other thing this movie was missing, and I'm sorry, but he's just my favorite character, so I, you know, kind of wanted him to show up somewhere in here, but I think he was missing Hulk a little bit. Uh, like, I think I think that answer <laughs> back and forth between him and Hulk is always good, and I know he's still like Korg there, and I know he's still other people, but it would have been nice to see, to see uh, you know, Hulk smash in there because especially when you're talking about like fighting something like a gore. I mean, who else would you rather have on your side? Like, why wouldn't you bring the Hulk who literally tried to take on Surter by himself? Like, you know, who literally did, did like destroyed all of Asgard and the and the Hulk is literally jumping, punching it in the face. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. If I'm rolling into battle and there's any battle going around, I'm probably calling that guy. Like so to True. me, like I just felt like there was a couple of things I think that could have made it a better overall experience. But what I got, I like the jokes mostly landed for me. Um, the goats, uh, I thought were great. The goats I, I were kind of funny. I like the goats. I think they I needed right. more goats. I needed more <laughs> gore. I needed more goats, more gore. And I wish, to be honest, there would have been a montage scene of Thor, kind of. Thor being a whore a bit and like kind of like you know just being a bit of a fool himself trying to find love and trying to find himself maybe you know he just had a montage he had that one little thing there where he kissed the girl on the boat or whatever but I'm like eh like oh you know apparently that was his real wife I found that yeah, out later and, that, and that's yeah. his, his daughter too yes, the girl yes. at the end you know so I yeah. mean a, a Christian Bale's kid was apparently in there Hi, Heimdall's kid uh, Idris Elvis that's I think his son like, I oh, think they okay. had, like, a lot of their own kids, like, were there for that kid scene. Mm. And I could be fact-checked on that, and I could be absolutely wrong, but I'm pretty sure, I know for a fact, at least Christian Bale's kid was at least there, was there as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, But, yeah, yeah so, I mean, it, I, I am so, I liked it. I think it was better than Doctor Strange. I As far as liking it, it's hard because Shang-Chi was a new movie. Where like a new character, new story, new everything. This was a continuation of Thor, so I was a little more used to the characters involved here. So it's hard to compare it to Shang Chi, in my opinion. 
Um, sure. I haven't seen Eternals sure. yet, believe it or not. Like, and I don't think it was necessarily. I, I don't know. Actually, I know I'm probably in the minority, and I enjoyed Spider-Man No Way Home, but there were a lot of little plot things in there, like we talked about with Norman Osborn and other things that I'm like, I wasn't. So I put it maybe kind of on par with that movie of my feelings of like, I feel like there's a couple decisions that were made for either convenience or whatever. And, you know, um, like I thought it was interesting that all of a sudden he could just pick up Zeus's lightning bolt and wield it around. Like he's always like had it. He just knows how everything works. And like, you know, he just, I, there's certain things to me were a little like, I like Russell Crowe's Zeus. I mean, when he came down the stairs holding his tutu, fucking hysterical but i i mean like i said i a lot of it worked for me a lot of it was good seeing the celestial seeing seeing, um seeing the different gods i mean the dumpling god bow was a little weird um the game of thrones share was in there somewhere i think Uh, oh now that you said it i think i remember saying that yeah 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 like i mean so they had a lot of like different cool like visuals i wish in the God scene, they would have done again. This is what I'm talking about. That 15 minutes, I think they could have added. Not that they had to add a lot, but like when they were scanning across, we should have gotten a, like Conchu in there. We should have gotten Bost in there. We should have mm. gotten like some of these other gods that we've heard about, but haven't seen. You're now an omnipotent omnim- om- city, or I, I'm I'm butchering that name. I, no, sure. I think you're right on that om- omnipotence. Yeah, I think yeah. omnipotence city. But I, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, like, this is supposed to be the place where the gods are, and I think that's kind of why maybe the celestials were there too. They feel protected in that that realm, that area. But I mean, I would have liked to have seen more gods that would have that actually had implications in the MCU. Not that they even had to have scenes or talking points. Just scan by them. Like I said, mm. you, you spend time scanning past the the god of dumplings. But you mm-hmm. couldn't spend time scanning past Bost or even Conchu, who we've already seen in the MCU. Like, I, I don't know. So to me, I wish that there was more gods in the god scenes. I wish there was more gore in the gore scenes. I wish there was more, uh, like, so, I mean, again, I just think it's little things like that that I think would have made it a better movie experience for me. But overall, uh, still enjoyable. Mm, not my favorite Thor, but like I said, I'd put it behind Ragnarok, but ahead of the other two. Mm. All right, so to me, I I would consider this a top fifteen movie. I I did like Doctor Strange to a, a little better than it. I'm not gonna lie. I had two big issues with this movie, and once I got past them, I still really liked the movie. Okay. I am just not somebody who finds Chris Hemsworth as funny as apparently the entire rest of the planet does. Like, since that 2016 Ghostbusters movie came out, the narrative is, oh, Hemsworth's so funny, he's this big buff guy, and he's funnier than you think he is. No, he's not. No, he's not. I'm tired of them forcing all these jokes on him, and they're supposed to be funny because he's the big dorky bulk dude and everything. Enough with that. Enough with that. I'm sorry, like, Eric, if you disagree with me, that's fine. I can't stand that shit. My favorite stuff with Chris Hemsworth, and you already brought up Natalie Portman, so I'm going to say it. I didn't know if they were going to play off the cancer storyline with Jane Foster. When he finds out that she has cancer, 
and he finally gets serious, it was his best acting in the movie, I thought. Like, everything with him and her, after he finds out about that and he gets serious about losing his love and everything, I loved that shit. I don't need him to be funny. He can be a little funny. That's fine. Everything with him feels ham-fisted and forced. When he got serious, it's like in Ragnarok. One of my favorite scenes in Ragnarok was when him and Loki were in the elevator. And I, I can't remember what Loki said, but Thor looks at him and goes, Loki, I thought the world of you. And he gives that whole speech about, I wanted us to be fighting everything together, but you're you and I'm me and we're never going to be the same. That's the best shit with him because he gives some really good speeches on that. They focus too much on the comedy with him. So that's that's my biggest complaint with him. Last hour, I thought, got a lot better with him once he found that out. And, okay, you brought up Russell Crowe as Zeus. I love Russell Crowe. One of my favorite actors. Eric, I don't think that this will be a shock to you to find out. I'm not crazy about non-Italian people doing Italian accents. That was one of the worst forced Italian accents I ever heard in my entire life. And I'm sitting in the theater watching Russell Crowe do that. I'm just like, no, Russell Crowe, why are you doing the fake Italian accent? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me, bro? Just why? So, yeah, Russell Crowe was great. Russell Crowe was funny. God damn it, he didn't need to do the fake Italian accent for Zeus. I'm sorry, he didn't. Those were my two biggest gripes with the movie. What do you say? Um, the accent didn't bother me that much terribly. So, I mean, but I could see why it could be. But I, I just thought it was more part of the the act he was putting on. But Yeah, I wish I it wasn't. He, I just wish it wasn't. That's I all. Think, I think you saw the tonal change, though, when he was hurt and when he was talking to Hercules at the end. I, that It's changed from that jovialness he had in his voice. Yeah. Like, oh, everything's a joke, too. My son. So, like, I think that there he can do it, that accent in a different way that could be more menacing, could be a little bit more. I just wish he wouldn't do the accent. I just he doesn't need the accent. Why does he need to be? Why does he need to be Italian? You're not Italian. Don't play him as Italian. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I understand the great. Like I said, I think there's a lot of little things like that, little choices that were made. Mm -hmm. You can say the same thing about the the first guy that were killed. Because to be honest with you, um, oh, I can't remember his name, but he deserved to die. Yeah, like I don't know if he was the sun god. I don't know. Yes, yes, yes. I, I sun god sounds right to me. Yeah, whatever he was, you know. Uh, um. Oh, I I, I can yeah, look up his, I'll look up his name no, if you no, want me to. No, yeah, no, no. Oh, I'm, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right here. It's no problem. Uh, Rapu. Rapu is the god. Yeah, so I mean, he was too jokey for me. And he was, mm. there's something like, once I saw that, I was like, okay, I know the tone of what we're going to get here. Because, I mean, and listen, I get it too, because all the scenes with Alcor were much more jokey and jovial and much more like upbeat. The ones with Gore. We're, uh, we're, we're much more serious and dark and, and, you know, different. So, I mean, you saw the two different, but again, you saw that in the shadow round two where darkness versus the light and that kind of stuff. So I think it played off each other, the two tones of the movie, but overall, like you said, probably middle of the road ish kind of like 12 to 15 movie in the MCU. 
And for me, it definitely sits behind Ragnarok, which I still like better because I think that the jokes there were, worked a little bit more for me. And I'm also a huge Hulk fan, so that pushes me over the edge towards Ragnarok. But, well, that's uh, fair. Yeah, that, that's my thoughts on it, though. Well, I'll say this. I mean, to go back to something you said earlier, Christian Bale was really good in this movie. And unfortunately, it wound up coming to pass. He is a one-and-done villain. That part sucks, but... I thought the way they did it was pretty good, actually. I like the fact... I, I, I just like the way Christian Bale played him. Christian Bale's one of my favorite actors. He can do anything, and he was good. What you said about could have used 15 minutes more in this movie? Yeah, I could have used 15 minutes more of him. Absolutely. Well, yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. It sounds like we both enjoyed it, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the main mm -hmm. thing when you go to the movies. You want to have that enjoyment, so... I'll tell you what, it was not as good as Top Gun. So if you haven't seen Top Gun... I, yet, I just haven't... Yeah, I haven't I'm gotten to see you, that. Top yeah. Gun is a better movie. You'll you'll enjoy it more. Yeah, something always winds up coming up on Thursdays, I can tell you that. But I, I, I'm trying to get over there. You would put this movie above No Way Home, though? I'd put it in line with it. I, I had some problems with No Way Home. We've talked about that, so... I I would put it kind of like on uh, like where maybe No Way Home slightly better. Mm. It's not really better, better. See, to me, No Way Home is like top 10 MCU for me. That's how much I like that movie. Like of all these movies, Doctor Strange is in that 10 to 15. This movie's probably 15. No Way Home is definitely yeah, nine or ten. Rank them to know because I definitely have different thoughts on the MCU than most so. I mean, maybe we'll do that for next week. I know we're still going to be slow sports-wise, so maybe the end of the show next week, I'll try to rank my top, like, 20 MCU movies or something. Oh, I could definitely do that. We got to get Dave in that, but, yeah, I could definitely do that, yeah. Well, if we talk um, to him, I'm sure he'd get in on that. Yeah. What was the other thing you said? Um, the, the part with him giving his powers to the kids, I totally agree with you there. What was the other thing you said with that? Giving the powers to the kids and um, you, you said one other thing and I can't remember what that was. Oh, with the opening of the Bifrost and just going straight to eternity to ask for a wish. Well, they didn't know eternity. They didn't know they were going with eternity in, in Infinity War and Endgame. That's why. Simple solution. They didn't write that part yet. <laughs> exactly, but I'm just saying like, that that's that's to me where like it kind of loses it a little bit i think that him choosing his daughter and letting her you know go with thor and thor at the end like i thought that was a cute scene like yeah there's a lot of things in this movie i like it just wasn't my favorite mm -hmm. yeah i can see ragnarok being being a little higher than this one i it, but it doesn't make it bad i, I will no, say no, the one listen, it's still in the top half of marvel movies for me mm -hmm. i read this part online and i didn't even think about it till i read it but it's true they thought that hemsworth is a funny guy so they made him more jokey all right that's fine and everything but in doing so you kind of defeat the purpose of the first thor movie where he's kicked out of asgard and deemed unworthy of holding molnir because he's all arrogant and cocky and everything and now you've gone back to the exact reason why he was kicked out there's no repercussions for it 
Yeah. Well, also, too, now, I think that's what they're bringing in with Hercules, because Hercules is going to be more like Thor was in the first Thor movie, where he's young and arrogant and whatever else, and you're going to have a more mature, probably, Thor in the next movie, who's probably going to, you know, because I think that's what you saw is, you know, there are different moments there of, you know, Thor's growth that I think that when he meets up with Hercules, Hercules is going to be like himself looking at a mirror from, you know, the past. Like, of like, look at this brash young guy who's, you know, strong as hell and could battle, you know, has his own way, you know, like, I, I don't know, God, God himself, you know, so it's, it's going to be an interesting battle that they have for sure. And uh, I think by the next movie, he won't be the full on villain. I think by some point he'll make a turn, you know, and sure. be like an anti-hero or something like that as opposed to full on villain. But well, he um, he becomes yeah, an Avenger. He becomes an Avenger in the comics. He was an Avenger in the comics when I was a kid. So yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. good movie though. Good movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely worth it to see. So okay, with that, did you have anything else you wanted to bring up tonight? No, I actually got to get running, my friend. Me too. All right, so we'll get out of here tonight. Thank you to Eric Pfeiffer for joining us earlier. Thank you, Cousin David, being in the chat for a little while there. Thank you to everybody listening to us on all our various podcasting outlets, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Thank you to everybody. Let's do some final thoughts here. Eric Tressler. As always, my friend, stay sweaty. Stay sweaty, my friend. Yes, and I am Mike Aglioloro. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will see y'all next week.